Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine, when it's really not fine at all? You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too, and so have my guests. Here's a secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs so your actions take you in the right direction. That's where fine is a four-letter word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey there, today's guest is the multi-talented Maria Rieger. Shout out to Anna Ehrman for introducing us. Maria is a corporate attorney, astrologer, parenting coach, and author. Born under the sign of Gemini, Maria claims her head has always been in the clouds. As a kid, when she was bored, she would make up stories in her head and has been writing since she was about 13 years old. Today, her unique blend of sarcastic wit and resilient spirit percolates through her parenting books as well as her gritty contemporary romance and romantic suspense novels. In her mid-30s, Maria had a law degree, a good-paying job in Washington, D.C., a partner, and a child. From all outward accounts, she had made it. But she had a nagging sense of needing more. She found fulfillment in the creative outlet of writing fiction books. Then there came a moment when her son was four or five that Maria became acutely aware of the need to change her parenting style. Since she was not interested in following her own parents' footsteps, she started studying childhood development. In today's episode, we delve into Maria's journey from fine to where she is now. She shares how birth charts can serve as a blueprint of an individual's energy and help parents understand their children's unique energies. And if you've ever wondered how to improve your parent-child relationship, Maria's got an answer for you. We're talking about positive psychology, sources of creativity and inspiration, and the importance of unscheduled, unstructured time in both adults' and children's lives. And you know I love getting into it on the societal belief about constant productivity and success and diving into what works better. So let's get into it. Oh, but first, you know you can go to zenrabbit.com to get your copy of the short guide to working less and living better, also known as the five easy ways to start living a sabbatical life. You may also be interested in a brand new program called Staying Calm in Chaos. It's 10 short, easily digestible audio sessions that walk you through how to go from being an overwhelmed high achiever to a calm, grounded, and centered person who has peace of mind no matter what. Comes with some awesome meditations and there's a bunch of other cool stuff to go with it. Check that out at get.stayingcalmincaos.com. Find the link in the show notes. Welcome to another episode of Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Maria Rieger. Welcome to the show, Maria. Thank you, Lori. Super excited to be here today. Yeah, this is fantastic. And, you know, I was just about to say, um, 
who introduced us, and my mind went totally blank. <laughs> oh, Anna Ehrman. Oh, that's right, Anna. Okay, yeah. right. So because Anna and I met from rock climbing, indoor rock climbing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, she's so, a big fan of rock climbing. She yeah, it. she's there a couple of times a week. And mm-hmm. I was introduced to, this is such a crazy story. I was introduced to someone through, I met somebody through LinkedIn. I think I randomly reached out to her because she had badass in her title or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I need to know this woman. And so we had a conversation, Didi. And then Didi came out that I lived in the Washington, D.C. metro area. And she's like, oh, you should meet my friend. And um, she introduced me to her. Then she and I had a conversation. We were just about to hang up. And she said, do you rock climb? I'm like, never been before, but I think it would be fun. So she invited me to come to this group, which is where I met Anna. Wonderful. I love it. It's it's all about being open to new experiences and saying yes. Exactly. That's tough for me as an introvert because I like my space and my own company. But like, but just like you said, sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm not going to meet people or have these cool experiences including meeting potential clients for my business, right? Unless I make time for this. So that's the trick is to kind of balance your need for downtime with also the networking and being open to new experiences for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because I I am an, an introvert too, although nobody ever believes me when I say that because I am outgoing. But that's the thing. Introvert doesn't mean wallflower, hate other people. I'm a hermit. Exactly. It just means I need my alone time too. Exactly. I love one-on-one communicating like this. Like my issue is in a group where I'm forced to make small talk, I don't like that. I like to have meaningful conversations. And those are usually in like smaller groups or with yeah. people who are open to those meaningful conversations. Right. Well, and you can do that in networking. This is a whole other conversation because yeah. I have, yeah, re-released my my networking book, How to Feel Comfortable, Confident, and Courageous at Networking Ooh. Events. And it's aimed at people who would call themselves net introverts, but, um, and how to get into those more in-depth conversations in networking events, but let's not get sidetracked. Let's go back to you. And I don't like talk about myself sometimes. (laughs) Well, that's what you're doing here on this podcast. I I, I like, like, I mean, I'm an attorney by day, so we kind of, by definition, like to hear ourselves speak. So that is true. But sometimes when you're put on the spot, you're, there's a moment of like panic and then everything's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so that that's a perfect setup for this question. <laughs> Tell me what were the beliefs and values that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you became as a young adult and who you are now? Um, I love this question. Okay. So, so it's kind of a two-part answer because I... I grew up with a lot of negative conditioning and limiting self-beliefs that I had to recondition as an adult, Mm. right? This idea of like, you know, love is conditional in order to be worthy of of receiving love and attention. I have to do things for other people, right? I can't just be myself. That's not enough. People are not going to love me for being myself. They're going to love me for as far as based on what I can do for them. Mm. Um, I'm only a worthy individual if I'm constantly productive. If I'm taking downtime, I'm lazy, right? If I'm taking a rest, I'm lazy. Things like this. Um, I need approval from other people to do things. I can't use my own intuition or make up my own mind. I have to delegate to other people. 
things like this. This is obviously as a child growing up in a home with this kind of parenting. So as an adult, it led to a whole host of problems, like allowing other people to take advantage of me, like not realizing that I have ultimate say in my boundaries, physical, emotional, mental, social boundaries, things like this. But um, now there were, you know, positive things I grew up with too. I grew up from my father with, who modeled a really good work ethic, this idea of making short-term sacrifices for medium to longer-term gains. Like that's something I see um, that a lot of people could benefit from today because, right, with, it's all about, not all about, but a lot about instant gratification. It's harder to make those short-term sacrifices for the longer-term gains. Yes, but how did you balance that with the belief that you have to work hard and always be working like, cause that's like, you're constantly sacrificing. So it's not right. necessarily a short-term sacrifice. It's a mm-hmm. lifetime sacrifice. Right. That's true. The way I deal with it is when I'm engaged in a productive activity, I'm fully engaged in that activity in flow state. That's another big part of my, what I teach um, is a, about how to get in and stay in flow state to harness productivity. But when I'm resting, I'm resting. Mm. And I, you really have to balance all that and be present in the moment. When you're resting, you're resting. You're, you're not checking emails. Your notifications are off. You are fully present with your friends, with your family, with your kids, with yourself, even if you're by yourself. And that's as important. Scheduling the rest time is as important as scheduling the productive time. And oh, I'll yeah, tell people 100%. That. And parents, you have to schedule downtime with your family and downtime for you. And you're going to, if, if you have, you know, a weekend booked and you've scheduled a Monday for rest and somebody asks you to do something Monday, you have to say no, say no early and often. So yeah, it's a great question. Really important for people to figure out how to balance all that being productive to work toward your own goals, which are fulfilling for you. And also balance that with rest time, family time, and those things. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to get you off track because you were no talking about your dad and what you learned no from him. Right. So he also taught me to, as far as finances, um, to be aware of what you're spending, to not finance lifestyle through debt. That's how a lot of people get in trouble. It's hard to dig out of that. And that if you do kind of watch what you spend and watch your income, you could be in a place where possibly you could even retire earlier or pursue other things because you're not beholden to this kind of nine to five job. So that's definitely something that's played out in my life. I've been very fortunate and also, you know, very cognizant and aware of kind of what I spend in my financial situation. Yeah. So that financial freedom is very important for me. So I can structure my life and my schedule on, you know, on as how I want it, not based on somebody else's schedule. Yeah. Cool. You were talking about what you learned from your dad. How did you decide to go to law school. Right. So, um, I was kind of figuring out what to do with the rest of my life. This is in like my mid, mid to late twenties. I moved back to the States from Spain where I had been working in, uh, it consulting. I was trying to figure out what to do. So I was working in the U S went to business school, took the business law classes. And I thought I am in the wrong, I'm studying the wrong thing. Like I really want to be studying law school because I love, among other things, parsing out these different concepts and differentiating these concepts. And I love the legal analysis part of it. So yeah, so I went to to law school and it was a wonderful experience, intellectually stimulating. I loved it. 
I um, had my kid during law school unexpectedly, but it was still great. (laughs) And then when I finished school and a child, I know it was like, just, just, you know, uh, stuff keeps on coming. So, um, yeah, so I finished law school in my, so I'm in my early to mid thirties working and I, I had this sense of, I should feel like I've made it. I have this family. I have this law degree. I have a good paying job in DC, Washington, DC. And I just feel like I'm not, I want more, but I was like, what do I need more of? And that's kind of what began this journey of kind of, I need to figure out, like, I, I, I'm supposed to feel like, or I guess I've been told, right. Or by example, I'm supposed to feel like, well, this is it. I've made it in my mid thirties, but I didn't feel that way. Yeah. So that was kind of a beginning of this long process, which we can talk more in detail yeah. about. Well, it's interesting that you said you felt like you, you, there should be more. And mm-hmm. then what more of what? Like right. that is the question that I don't think, I think people, a lot of people feel that they feel mm-hmm. that, that kind of undercurrent of suck. I, I say, yeah, but they don't know it, it's this indistinguishable feeling. Like I, I, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling like I need more of, and then what more of what <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Right. I think a lot of it has to do with living authentically That's hard to describe because obviously it's different for every individual to live authentically. So that's, but that's, you have to kind of think about what do I need to feel fulfilled and kind of go from there. So, yeah, but that's, it's a lot of people, it's just like this, they take these steps they think they're supposed to take and they'll be fulfilled, but they're not living true to their purpose and true to their own, you know, what they, they're not really living in a way that's consistent with their own personal fulfillment. That's kind of what you have to explore. What do I need to feel personally fulfilled, to feel like I have a meaningful life? Right. And most people don't stop to listen to that, to like figure that out Mm -hmm. because that requires work. And I'd rather, you know, watch whatever series I need to binge on or what, or yeah. Complain, you know, get into the drama of someone else's life. Yeah. Because that would be just easier. Right. Or escapism. I'm going to do right. things to That's escape exactly from what this it is. feeling. Right. Yeah. Which can be binge watching. It could be substances. It could be other things. Right. Yeah. So what, what did you do to, when you, you were having that feeling, how long did that go on for? And then what was the impetus for like, all right, no, this is right. the, that point of the fuck being fine. What, right. what do I do now? Right. So it, it, it's kind of a multifaceted answer. So one thing is I, I you know, I'm a self-published fiction and nonfiction author. Now I had, I've always written off and on my entire life. And at this time I had a lot of stories in my head. I felt compelled to write them down. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I started writing fiction and self-publishing fiction and that was incredibly fulfilling because it was a creative outlet I did not get anywhere else in my life. Yeah. Right? Especially for my day job, which is more analytical. Interesting, but an- more analytical. So I here I get pretty much creative free reign to do what I want, and that's very satisfying. It's a lot of work to, pu- to self-publish a, a book, a quality book, but it's really fulfilling. And I've connected with a lot of other great authors, and there's a lot of great local and... and um, even larger author communities. So that's been incredibly fulfilling. And the other thing is that when I became a parent, a lot of parents will tell you this, 
you're kind of forced to look at where you have to improve as an individual because you're learning how to parent. And in my case, there was this very long, complex process of realizing I'm not parenting in a way I feel good about. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not I'm in, I I'm parenting in this way this almost authoritarian way. And intuitively, I don't think this is right. But mm. I don't know what good parenting looks like because I didn't have that growing up. I was going to say, so you were parenting using the model yeah. that you had, but yes. that didn't feel right. And that's right. why you were like at this crossroads because you're like, well, that's all I know, but it doesn't mm-hmm. feel right. So now what do I do? Right. So I, you know, I'm open to improving. And that's, I think that's the key. Now that I work with parents and, and they come to me and they're, they're kind of anxious about, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And I'm like, look, if you are open to improving, you're already a good parent because you're open to improving. I, it, I really, I worry more about people who have this attitude. Like I, I know everything and there's nothing I could, I could improve on or learn. Well, I really mm. can't work with that. It's harder to work with that. Yeah. But I was open to improving and I studied a lot about childhood development and I talked to a lot of, you know, child therapists. And I thought, okay, my, my intuitive feeling about how to parent was actually more in line with how I think I should parent. Every kid is different. You parent the child you have, right? Mm-hmm. And anyway, so I decided to follow more kind of positive parenting, respectful parenting concepts. And it wasn't about changing my kid and getting my kid to do things. It was changing myself and the relationship with my kid improved. Isn't that so what it's always the, about? That, yes. Is so that's, we it, can only change yeah. ourselves. And once mm-hmm. we change ourselves internally, right. the results in the, the relationships we have externally change. It's kind exactly. of like magic. But not exactly. Really. <laughs> and I tell parents this is right. I tell parents this is good news because this you can you have dominion over yourself. Yeah. So you this is actually something you can work with because it's about changing you, which you can do. You really can't change the other person. Mm-hmm. And this becomes even more pronounced when the kids become adolescents and teens and have that counter will, which is a normal stage of childhood development, and they're becoming their own individuals. It's important that they you know, have parents that they feel that they can come to and approach, right, with anything. So, yeah, so that kind of, that whole experience, I had, I was reparenting myself through psychotherapy, EMDR, other things, while parenting my child, right? So that, that is, um, yeah, I mean, it was an incredible, is still an incredible journey, and I'm very fortunate to be able to help parents now as a parenting coach with that, so. How old was your child when you the when you first went mm, this isn't really how I'd like to be parenting I need to learn more right he's about 4 or 5 okay yeah he was about 4 or 5 um and i i i remember like i i i was i was bad about something i don't remember what and i yelled at him he was like 4 or 5 and i he yelled back at me crying and i remember having this moment like i am not doing this right. Like he Mm. is dysregulated and distressed. And it's because of me, I am not able to regulate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and now that's what, you know, parenting therapy or child therapists will tell the parents, how do you expect the child to emotionally regulate if you, the adult cannot emotionally regulate? And I figured that out on my own. Like I, I'm not, I'm not regulated. So he's not, of course he's not regulated. He's like five. How do I expect him to be? Yeah. What, what is like, what I really detached myself from that and like looked at it right as an observer yeah i thought i thought i have to regulate 
in order for him to, you know, regulate his anxiety and all these things. So that's number one. So it took a while. And I noticed the more regulated I was, the more regulated he was until he was able to articulate how he was feeling. And even, even when he would tell me, Hey, you hurt my feelings when you said this, I was like, Oh my God, he can actually articulate now these feelings calmly. I'm like, this is the goal that I was working yeah. for, right? Yeah. So yeah, it is about regulating yourself. And that, that's how kids learn to emotionally regulate is through co-regulating with the parents. That's how they learn everything is they're, yeah. they're looking at you as their example, mm-hmm. primarily. I, yeah. And, and then also that. what they're seeing in, in their classrooms or in their friendships and societies and all that too, but primarily from their parent. Did you have a, a partner I did. Did, I, did yes. you or do you or in? I did was, at the time. My yeah, now my ex husband. Yep, yeah, at the time. Mm-hmm. And what was his parenting style? Like, was he in sync with you that we need to adjust ourselves, or was this something you were just doing on your own and he was um, on his own thing, doing his own I'm thing? Pretty much on my own. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So this actually that was at the time. I think we divorced when my son was about five, five and a half. So it was right about, it was the, around time the same time. Divorce, right. So it was tough. And I knew this is hard on divorce is hard on kids. I knew he's, and the therapist had told me kids, especially boys, um, display depression a lot of the times through anger. So if he's mm. angry, you're going to have to address that. Don't just don't punish him for showing emotions. And I, that's really stuck with me. Like, okay, that's indicative of how he's feeling. It's not that, He's just, you know, wants to be angry. Yeah. He's feeling a certain way, can't articulate it. And this is how it comes across. So I need to figure figure out what's going on with him. Right. As opposed yeah. to like, I, yeah, I don't believe in like punishing kids in general. I, I don't believe in it. So I'm not going to punish him for being angry. Right. That's I, I right. May, because I then you're teaching, him, but right. Then you're teaching that it's not okay to have those emotions. Absolutely. And that's a big complaint people have about men today is they don't talk about emotions. They don't talk about emotions. Well, of course they were taught as kids to quash the emotions they had. Yeah. Right. So now they don't want to talk about it. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, because they were punished for it. Exactly. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. Right. Right. And I love this. There's this whole movement now, parenting movement about how to raise emotionally healthy kids. And I love this. And I am so thrilled to see that boys and mm-hmm. girls, right? Because yes. you have to be able to communicate with your partner. And as you were indicating earlier, Lori, the parent child relationship is one of the main relationship models that kids take with them into adulthood. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that you were using EMDR and mm-hmm. what else to, to help just you? Psychotherapy, right. Okay. And just reading a lot of different stuff, self-help books on, um, you know, recovering from complex trauma as well as parenting and childhood development. Because when you understand how the um, how the child's, the adolescent's, the teen brain functions, mm-hmm. you can parents can have a lot more empathy for the kids, thinking, okay, well, this is how the brain is now. It's not that they're choosing this. Right. It's like if you have a partner with ADHD, right? So, okay, I can you know be upset about these things, but also this is how their brain works. So I can have a little more empathy because this is just how their brain's wired. It's not that they are choosing this to be like this. Right. 
Right. And I, cause I, now that you mentioned this, I remember having many conversations with my friend, Christine. So, okay. So I don't have any children, but she has a son and we would have conversations all the time. And we would talk a little bit about this too. He's 21 now, but the teenage brain, like, okay, right. but his brain is not capable or this is what's going on in his brain. And we would talk. Because she exactly. she was angry about whatever it was that he was doing or not doing and having to step into that that role of you mentioned earlier of being an observer. Right. And going, okay, this isn't a personal thing against me. <laughs> it's not a personal right. attack. This is, you know, they have so many hormones and chemicals and stuff going on in their brain and the development of the brain. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is why. There, yeah. Exactly. There's a surge of hormones right around age 13. They become incredibly moody. They, you know, the change they change their moods at the drop of the hat. They'll be mad at you and then ask you nicely to take them to the mall the next minute. You know, <laughs> and I mean, and so it's like okay. So and you're like, what's wrong with this person? Well, there's nothing wrong with them. It's like you just said. This is how their brain is wired. They have they have this surge of chemicals that they don't really fully understand. They need the need the parents' help. We've had many conversations. Hey, this is what's going to happen. You may feel a certain way. This is normal. Everybody experiences this. Mm-hmm. It's not going to always be like this, right? Yeah. It's not, your body will change and develop. Your brain changes and develops. It's not always going to be exactly like this. So just be aware of that. If you have questions, we can address them. If you need help, we can do, we can you know, figure it out together. But that's, yeah, and it's hard. It's tough for parents not to take personally. I know. It, I've been there. <laughs> it's enough for parents I, not I to imagine, take that. I imagine, yeah. Yeah, that, that adolescent and teen attitude or what if you whatever you want to call it personally because this is some kid you've raised since they were a baby that you've you're close with you want to maintain this close relationship but this is really about it's not about the parent it's about the kid growing up and and realizing you know I'm I'm separate separate entity from the parent and I have my own wants needs dislikes ways of seeking fulfillment and you're raising them and guiding them into being healthy adults that's how mm-hmm. you have to think about mm-hmm. it so yeah. yeah so it is hard not to take personally and I, I tell parents to like, make sure you are also getting back to what we originally talked about taking, you know, taking time for you pursuing your goals. So it's not all about the kids all the time, but well, they don't want to spend time with me. It, make sure that you're pursuing other outlets, that you are pursuing your goals too. Right. That, you know, you're a parent and your other things too. Yes. Right. You are a, a human separate and with needs separate from that. How did you get to that point? And what was it that you found to, uh, like outside of, of parenting? Cause you, obviously you were studying this stuff to help yourself. Right. And then you turned it into a business. Right. Of, of coaching other parents, but in between there. So you were writing, go, let's like you were finding your outlet in creative writing. Right. Right. So I love to write. And I, I, um, that's kind of my big outlet. I have a bunch of writing projects, fiction and nonfiction books I'm working on, uh, things like that. So that's kind of my big thing is if I'm kind of feeling out of sorts, I would just go and just by myself and just write or, or, um, yeah, something like that. Where do you, where do your ideas for books come from? Um, (laughs) they're partly, partly I've used kind of my own, some things that happened in my life as a stepping off point. It's, uh-huh. it's pretty common for authors to incorporate some of their 
not necessarily autobiographical, but some of the events of their lives in their books, some aspect of it. So that's definitely the case with me. Like I, some of my stuff that happened in my life, I will use as kind of a, a springboard for different things and different themes. And sometimes um, I've always been a huge daydreamer. Okay, I'm a, I'm into astrology, so I'll say I'm a Gemini sun. My head is always in the clouds. It's an air sign. I've always been a huge daydreamer. I cannot remember a time I was not daydreaming. And yeah. I was always scolded for not paying attention. My mother would give me these long lectures and I would just daydream. You're not listening. You're not listening. Well, yeah, because you've been talking for half an hour. So I'm like 10. I'm not listening. And you're anymore. not saying anything I want to hear. Not, so not, exactly, exactly. I'm not listening. So, um, yeah, I would daydream constantly. And uh, as soon as something became boring, I would just start to daydream. So it, I would daydream these really elaborate, complex stories Right. And as an adult, I, you know, occasionally still daydream and because um, it's fun and it's relaxing. And it's also yeah. a way to think about, OK, I have like it's happened to me before. I have this novel I'm working on and there's a plot point. I'm not sure how to get through it. But if I just kind of relax and kind of let my mind be open, sometimes I would just spontaneously get the information. If that makes sense. Allow me a quick moment to thank you for tuning in to Fine is a Four Letter Word. If you're enjoying the show, please take a second to hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. And if you haven't already, I'd love it if you would leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show reach more listeners like you. Fine is a four-letter word is available on all major podcasting platforms. So no matter where you listen, you can stay up to date with the latest episodes. Now let's get back into the conversation. It completely makes sense. And I'm so glad you brought that up because we have, again, been conditioned to believe that daydreaming is bad. You're not being productive. You're just daydreaming. You're lazy. Right. But the truth is, and the research shows, there have been studies that this is what makes people more creative, more productive. Like we are, it's required to be the best, you know, whatever it is you are, is to allow yourself time to daydream and be unfocused because exactly what you're talking about, that's when the creativity and the innovation happens. Exactly. And if you study positive psychology, you know, Mm -hmm. Martin Seligman talks just about that, but having that time and he talks about it in the context of, of engagement or flow state, which is one of the five areas yeah. of personal fulfillment he talks about. So I, I concentrate on that a lot with parents, like getting in, how to get in flow. And that's a lot of it. It's like, you're just, you're just these, these periods of time when you're just kind of with yourself in the moment. And that is when you'll, when you kind of clear the mind and when you'll have these, I don't know if I call it like epiphanies, but these, yeah, these information will kind of flow into your mind. Yeah. Exactly yeah. It right. is kind yeah. of like a spiritual download. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I've, I've not it. interviewed, um, I've not talked about this. I don't think on, on interviews specifically this, but I've read like songwriters will like, where did this idea for this song? Like I, I woke up and it was in my head. Right. I think, uh, who was it? It was one, um, Paul McCartney, did he, he talked about that song? Oh damn! 
what song was it? It was one of the Beatles songs okay. that uh, Mother Mary, was that okay. Paul McCartney? I think so. God, I'm terrible. I'm not even like a big Beatles fan, but I remember him saying that he woke up and this song, like this song was basically delivered to him. Right. And he just wrote it. Right. That does happen with creative people. I mean, it does happen. Like I, I can't tell you uh, how many times I've been just working out and I've just been enjoying the workout. All of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I know how to resolve this plot point. I just know yeah. it. I wasn't even thinking about this novel. I wasn't right, even because, trying to think about it. Because if you were trying to think about it, the idea wouldn't have come to right. you. It's because right. your other than conscious mind is mm-hmm. you've given it the space to free flow and connect right. with higher power, God, source, whatever you want to call it. Right. And it's, it's always doing that. That's why right. it's so important to like, right. all right, well, I know I need, I'd like to find the answer to this, whatever this, you know, resolve this plot point, whatever it is. Like you think it and then you put it out there and then you go do something else. Right. And you're not focused on it. It's that exactly. unfocused time. And that exactly. we never outgrow that. First of all. Yeah. I'm sure you talk about this in your parenting, but children need that time. Yes. They exactly. need some un, unscheduled mm-hmm. time to daydream and not be focused. But we never outgrow that until yeah. till we die. We need that time. And yet, again, we've been programmed to believe that if you're not... Uh, Mm-hmm. productive all the time. You're lazy. You're slacker. Right. You're right. Not accomplishing. You don't have worth. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, there have been studies, positive psychology related studies that have shown that we get more creative as we get older. Ooh. Which okay. is interesting. Yeah. I did. So I, I was like, Oh, that makes sense though. Um, but so that's, that's a good, that's a good positive people can think about when they think about, you know, getting older <laughs> and also, um, right. that's what you, what you touched on about, you know, having every minute of our day scheduled and, and this drive to be productive all the time. That's why I tell, one of the reasons I tell parents, look, don't schedule every minute of your kid's day. Cause I have, I I've talked to parents as well. I need, my kid needs to be busy over the summer. So they don't like get in trouble or, or do something <laughs> they're not supposed to. I'm like, okay, well. If you've had some issues with your kid, those need to be addressed, obviously, but like, don't, you know, don't feel the need to schedule every minute of your kid's day. You know, we have, we, we do stuff, we do activities, structured activities, but also there's like free time. Okay. You have two hours of free time and then we're going to do this mm-hmm. or today's an introvert day. Just do whatever, you know, <laughs> but so that, right, as you right. said, those periods of time and structured time for kids are very important. Kids, adults, everybody of all ages, very important. To have, to have, you know, those, those uh, kind of, yeah, those kind of experiences to be open to things, right? That kind of unstructured, unstructured time. And yeah, and, and that doesn't go away. The need for that doesn't go away. What, what seems to happen is our lives get more and more hectic and more and more scheduled. And then mm-hmm. as I tell parents, you got to pare down, right? To be able to, to uh, focus on, to, pare down to have more, right? Pare right. down your activities to have better quality relationships in the context of what I do, it's better quality relationships with your kids, but also with your partner, with your friends, things like that, with yourself. I was just going to say, and most importantly with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's why, yeah, the, the whole meditation thing, or it doesn't like you, you get that time with yourself when you said you were out running. Did you say running? Right. Well, yeah. Doing cardio. Yeah. 
Cardio. So, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I know. So elliptical I, I'm not running, a fan. walking, biking. <laughs> <laughs> Cardi. Oh, look, weights. I'm going over there. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, you, when we talked before and you touched on it just a second ago about the astrology. So yes. I, I'm intrigued because yes. you, you use spirituality and birth charts for helping parents. How did you get into that? Yes. So I get asked that question a lot because I'm a corporate attorney. So like, how did you get into this? Um, so I have been studying astrology off and on my entire life. And I, I noticed a lot of patterns in people's energy. So people with specific placements or particularly particular, um, you know, planetary aspects had exhibited similar traits or similar ways of handling things or similar approaches to life. So long story short, I came to the conclusion that studying this has some merit as a tool for kind of self-knowledge, right? And in the context of what I do, reparenting. So I think mm. most people can agree people are made, or individuals are made up of energy. And we know this because mm-hmm. people have different energy. My energy vibes with some people. Some people you think, you say, well, this person, I don't like their energy. It's a very negative energy. It's, it just doesn't jive with my energy. That's all true. We're all made up of energy. Well, the birth chart is the blueprint for that individual's energy. It's the blueprint of the position of the planets at the moment of that individual's birth. Okay. And we could go into it in detail, but it would take, it would take a long time. But I, I do have a video up about kind of explaining the bigger picture elements of the birth chart, right? How to read them and stuff. Oh, okay. Maybe level. we can put a link to that in the show notes. Sure. Yeah. Happy to. So yeah. So I, it was, a, it was a really useful tool in starting my reparenting process. And as I talked to other parents who had similar kind of traumatic childhoods, a lot, one of the main complaints I hear is that, you know, when I start to heal and reparent, I don't even really know who I am because I've had to be somebody else my entire life. I'm not even sure what I like or what my preferences are or what type of job I want or how to live authentically. I don't even know. Well, the birth chart is an excellent way to kind of start that with other modalities, psychotherapy, EMDR, cognitive behavioral therapy, all these other things. It's a great modality as a starting off point for here's the blueprint for your energy. Now let's talk about this and see if it resonates with you and kind of how to honor how to honor your energy essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that it's a great tool for parents because you've got your chart, the kid's chart. We can see how they relate if the energies are extremely compatible or different. So it may take a little more effort for the parent to understand where the child is coming from. And it also, because the child's birth chart is obviously yeah. a different set of energy. It also reinforces that idea that the kids are separate entities from the parents, separate sovereign beings, not extensions of the parents, not property of the parents. So for all those reasons, it is a wonderful tool for parenting. And I've got a lot of good responses from parents. And we have a pretty active community on YouTube talking about this stuff and kind of reparenting in the context of these kind of the spirituality and, and astrology concepts. So yeah, it's uh that's how I got into it. It's um and and we may not necessarily know why it works or has merit, but that's the conclusion I came to that definitely has merit as kind of another tool for self-knowledge. I love it. Yes. We don't have to understand how everything works to know that it works. Right. Like we don't have to understand how the energy gets from the power plant to our house. I just need to know I flip a switch and (laughs) the light comes on. That's right. (laughs) I love it. Oh my gosh. This has been so 
such great information that you've shared. Thank you. Like this, oh, thank is, you very yeah, much. This is good stuff. How? Um, no, wait. I'm going to ask you first about your hype song, and then, okay. yeah, what's your? So, so we're ta- we're talking about energy. Okay. When you need to boost your energy, what's the song you listen to to do that? Oh my gosh, "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. <gasps> so I listen one. to that. I love it. I listen to I listen to the original. I also, full disclosure, I'm a huge EDM fan, so I listen to a lot of EDM versions of that song. <laughs> So my okay. son's probably tired of hearing it in the car, but that's that would be it. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever hear, heard an EDM version of it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But now I'll have to seek one out. and For sure. I'll yeah. So one. so we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And this, this fascinating conversation, if somebody is a parent or they just want to talk to you more about anything we've talked about today, how do they get in touch with you? Absolutely. So I blog on lawschoolheretic.com. I'm also at Maria at lawschoolheretic.com. That's my direct uh, email address. And I also do, in addition to coaching, I'll do, I do, I recently opened up my calendar to do birth chart readings and parent child readings. So I'm currently booking those. So happy to talk about that further. But um, yeah, and I'm on YouTube. My YouTube channel is Positive Parenting with Astrology with Maria Rieger. So there's a lot, I publish a lot of regular free parenting content there. Okay, cool. We'll put links to all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Thank you, Lori. Appreciate it. I did not know about, and I totally love that Maria mentioned research showing that we get more creative as we age. That is cool. Ready for the key takeaways? Here they are. Number one, be all in on whatever you're doing. If you're working, focus on work. If you're recharging, focus on your recharging activity. Be fully engaged. Number two, when you find yourself feeling that undercurrent of suck, like you want more in life, but you don't know more of what, Think about what you might need to feel fulfilled and take baby steps towards that. Number three, when you learn how to emotionally regulate yourself, your kids will follow your lead. Many people didn't have good role models for this. And if that includes you, now it's your responsibility to learn it yourself. Because if you can't regulate your own emotions, you can't expect those around you to regulate theirs. Number four, Give yourself opportunities to daydream. Let yourself be bored. Let your mind wander. It's those moments of quiet, of silence, of doing nothing that your best ideas come to light. And number five, your birth chart is a blueprint for your individual energy. When you're on the journey of rediscovering who you are and you aren't sure where to start, tools like your birth chart psychotherapy, and EMDR can give you some direction. Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love, and I'm proud of you. 
Thanks for joining me. Take care.